Yes, it's the Finnish Football Show. Thanks for joining us again for another episode. This is FFS 14. I'm Mark Wiltshire from Explore Finland, and as ever, I'm joined by Mark Hayton from FC Suomi. Hi, Mark. Hello. And to Rich N- with Rich Nelson from Escape to Suomi. Hi, Rich. Hello. Good stuff. So, tradition dictates. Rich, what shirt are you wearing this week? Um, I've got a Cups jersey from 2013. Uh, it was the winner of this week's poll. Um, it's probably the tightest football shirt I own and um, yeah it's um, I've been waiting to wear it for a while but cups aren't I guess aren't that popular you should stop stop being so democratic and just wear what you want cups is your finished team isn't it yeah but um, I say we've uh, I let the people speak and, and finally they made, <laughs> they made the right decision next 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 um, next show it's cups cups or cups <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly that's the way to that's the way to make it work um this episode, as ever, is going out live on YouTube, so those that are joining us live, thank you for, for joining us. Um, FSS, FFS 14 um, comes just at the start of the Vakehouse League se- Liga season 2017. One or two sides have played a couple of games, but it's really right at the, right at the very beginning, so we'll take a look at how the season started, and we'll also talk about Finland's two recent internationals, which was a... a World Cup qualifier against Turkey and a friendly against Australia. Um, Austria. Oh, of course, <laughs> Austria, Australia, Austria. Can't read my own typing. That's, that's how bad I am at typing. Um, as always, we want the input from the, from the viewers. So anyone that's uh, watching live, there's a, a message bar on the, on the side of the screen. Just uh, leave us your messages. Tell us if you're, if you're out there, who you are. Tell us your name and we'll give you a shout out. Um, live viewers can also use the um, use Twitter hashtag FFS14. Uh, Rich will keep an eye on that, and maybe one day we'll actually get a message on Twitter <laughs> while we're broadcasting. Um, and podcast listeners can use social media to get in touch after after the show finishes. So it's at FC Swarmy, at Escape to Swarmy, and at Explore Finland. And uh, I'll do my very best to get this podcast out in a few days few days time. So. As ever, Rich, no noisy biscuits, no F-bombs. Let's keep that family-friendly rating. <laughs> Explicit is good. And let, yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe we'll start with some recent news. And how about if you start, Rich? Mark's going to come back in shortly. You can, you can start us with your recent news. Um, well, basically, what I was going to talk about, uh, something that's a bit of a um, pet passion of mine, is the football kits. Um, I know... There are podcasts dedicated to football kits, and I thought I'd give this a, a couple of minutes of my time. Um, it's the usual saga where some kits are released with a number of sponsors. We're talking virtually dozens. Um, it's not quite as bad as that Brazilian team the other day who had offers from the local supermarket. Um, I heard about that. That was that was that was yeah. great, wasn't it? Like they, where it has the name, they would say pizza. And yeah. then there was the number of the shirt and a percentage, and that was what you could save off of that yeah. particular food at the supermarket, yeah. which is ingenious and awful at the same time. And I, I'm I'm waiting for a Finnish team to, to jump on that bandwagon. But um, no, we've um, not every team brings out a new kit every year, which is um, generally a nice thing. But um, some of them have Asicorn, Ilves have the, basically the same kit in different colours. Um, but uh, TPS, who are in the Ukenen. They released a 
away kit the other day. I don't know if it's for sale yet, but um, the weird thing is it's it's blue, which for them is slightly odd. Bear in mind who their sort of t- local rivals are into wearing blue and black. Um, and there is absolutely covered in sponsors. Uh, it's not quite the record, which I think the Yarrow jersey of a couple of seasons ago, I think across the shirt, shorts and socks, they had about 25 different sponsor logos on their kit. Um, this this TPS one had, I think, eight or nine um, across the shirt. But um, yeah, that was a, a bit of a weird one. But again, on, on the other hand, you you look at most clubs in Finland are, you know, looking to get any extra cash they can. And, you know, sometimes it's a necessary evil. Um, but um, But then you look on the other hand, you know, can you justify, you know, some of these shirts are 60, 70 euros. Mm-hmm. And, and bear in mind, I mean, I know some of them are custom made. The Asiko and Ilva's ones, you know, they're not off the shelf. They're made specifically to order. But like Hoiko, for example, you could buy the plain shirt for a tenner mm. and stick a badge on it. Whereas um, they want 60 euros. It's, um, you know, and that's without the sponsors. So it's it's a bit of a hit and miss thing it's there's also a i guess a cultural thing that you know wearing football shirts isn't quite the or, or even buying or collecting them isn't quite the thing in finland as it is over here but um you know still it's it's kind of a self-perpetuating issue where it's almost like free marketing in a way if you know if you play you know people do play football it's the same here with the five sides you know people wearing the exotic kits or or that you know they ask who's that kit you're wearing um and it's something that you know and, and if you know if a Finnish team does well in in Europe or or anything like that and, and the fans associate a jersey with a particular good time or a trophy or something like that it's um it'd be a nice thing and and to have you know kid sizes and all that and having the kids wear them would be a nice thing but um that's I, I was a bit surprised when I saw your when I saw your post last week saying that Asikor's got a new shirt because I thought to myself well, I bought the new shirt just six months ago, and I don't buy <laughs> a lot of football shirts. I got that black one with no no sponsors, and I, you know, yeah. I think that that helps it not age, maybe. And, yeah. Um, and <laughs> why they they have to wear a um, a third choice kit when they play away to Vaza because Vaza are in black and white stripes, and Saniyoki play in black or white, and they wear this bloody awful green thing it looks like a team of goalkeepers with yeah. the white shorts and and socks i just think surely you know the club colors are black and gold it's crying out for a gold kit oh, yeah. you know, a gold shirt with a nice black sash across oh, it but su- no, nobody a sash. yeah, yeah i a love big, a sash yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a big it's a, it's a big yeah. statement though an all, all gold kit you know what I mean? You've got you've got to be a consistently good team to think. Yeah, you've, you've go got to you've got to back that up, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do. But then Arsenal had a goal kit, but then they that was a year they won the double. Um, so again, so it's a retro kit now, then, Rich, is it? Well, I've, I've still got it. I think it's 2001. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, you know, it's um, it would certainly be unique. And I think if if Asikor decided, you know, let's be garish for once and you know, let's go out and do it and be that team who wear gold. I mean, that you've got, a, you know, you're asking for trouble, but it's, it would be brilliant. And I, I 
be well up for that. I, I think I will. That might make me buy. It might might just make me buy another one. Hmm. Um, Mark, what what you, you were going to talk about the UEFA Congress that was held recently in Helsinki? Uh, yes, yes, I was. I, I will have to say just on, on Richard's point there, the PS Kemi have done it again with a with a their, their shirt with the diagonal, the red and blue this year. Yeah. Beautiful. It's like nice. who, who, whoever's in charge of like design and marketing up there. It needs a special mention because it's it's a really good looking shirt. Just just describe it, Mark. Uh yeah. So it's it's red red and blue with a diagonal cut. It reminds me of the, um one of, one of the palaces in the one of the palace yeah, kits yeah. in the in the mid mid or early nineties. Um, and I think they still go with is it white sh- white shorts and socks? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so it's so it's a nice. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have that good of a descriptive creative eye. All I can say is that it look for a football shirt. It looks good. Okay, we we should we should check it out. Maybe I'll put a find a picture and put it in the show notes afterwards. Yeah, yeah, we can we can put. It up. I can I'll, I'll it. do a blog about it. Yeah, yeah, uh, but but uh, the UEFA Congress was in town in Helsinki this week, um, and that had a couple of ramifications for both kind of football in general. And for, for Finnish football, so Berti Alaya came back to being the chairman um, from his sick leave, or, although he's going to go away again, I think in a, in a, in a week or two, to, to, to get ready for surgery. So he came back essentially to host a congress and I think the executive committee meeting, which was interesting because um, when he was interviewed about it, he had a no input on, on the stuff that's been going on, basically in managing the Palolito while he's been away. I mean, doesn't seem to have any particular um, stamp on, on that. So he's been brought back just essentially to, to host, which, I mean, it, it might be a nice touch, but it's a bit of a strange messaging from, from the leadership. The, the, the UEFA is it chairman, Alexander Zephyr, who's Slovenian, mm. came out, and I think his big quote was, quite simply, money does not rule, uh, and the football pyramid must be and will be respected. And then he gave all of the associations an extra million euros <laughs> to, to back that up. Um, but his, I mean, but but it's a. I think he, what he's trying to do at the moment is defend the UEFA and Europe against the creation of a club-based European Super League that basically locks in elite teams and locks out everybody else from the competition. So he's got a bit of a struggle on there. And at the same time, so this this Congress came out when he was quite bullish about being open and not being scared to take on the clubs and, and tell them what's what. FIFA announced their financial performance for 2016 and they lost 348 million euros. That's on top of 110 million euros that they lost in 2015. And they've budgeted for... If they just take back the million they've just given to all of the FAs, <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be pretty much level, I should think. <laughs> well, actually, so the, 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 the reason for the loss they, that they cited was because of the corruption scandal and the legal fees. But the legal fees are only like fifty. They've only gone up like fifty million, something like that. So the the main uh, the main problem with FIFA is the redistribution or the increase in payments towards uh, local associations. I mean, in the big picture, that's kind of a good thing because because you don't want FIFA hoarding any money or, or having any of those development projects like that, the movie about FIFA or the football museum or any of that stuff. But by the same token they're still spending a whole ton of money. And what they've said is that they'll lose money again in 2017, uh, but they'll expect to make back a, a billion in the 2008 Russia World Cup. But the Russians responded to that and said, FIFA's basically overcharging for the rights to 2018. And right now, there's 24 spaces from the 34 slots for op- official partners. So they've only got down like 10 official partners to pump in money to the, to the FIFA World Cup. 
for for in Russia in 2018. So it's a it's it's a bit worrying times because all the messaging is kind of right, but it's a bit strange that the the response to money doesn't run the game is by trying to disperse more money, and then it's also worrying that that all of this seems to be based on potential income that's coming out of Russia that the Russians say isn't there yet, and it's only like what is it, fourteen months away? It's mm. like a year and two months until Russia. So, yeah. So that's 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 the kind of global face of football at the minute. Okay, I was just thinking while you, while you were talking there, that is it is it a year or, or eighteen months time where the UEFA um, like you um, you know the the qualifying for UEFA and and FIFA competitions becomes this kind of League of Nations thing that they've talked um, about. No, that, that, that's, that's a separate tournament. That's um, that's to replace friendlies. I thought it also, does it not? Does it not also uh, go towards qualifying for competition? Um, th- there is a place for the winner of each division, but um, qualifying remains. Um, the, okay. the the qualifying place for that league, uh, Nations League. It's easy to confuse League of Nations. Um, yeah, yeah, it's. Um, that goes to to the winner and, and it's kind of a, a nice little fallback position and you know Finland lose a couple more games they might end up in division D which is the lowest one and, and it might conversely mean they're more likely to get a place at Euro 2020 um, mm. when, does it, when does that all start Rich? Maybe it's something we can talk about in a bit after more the world, That's after the World Cup oh, okay. um, the, the Sound of Football podcast did um, a whole episode about it a couple of weeks ago and it was oh. really in interesting in you know from a european wide perspective but um you know ultimately it replaces friendlies the the qualifying tournaments will still carry on because you know only only four places will go to this league and eight of nations league Mm. um and uh you know it's it's just to replace friendlies it just means that um the the big nations will play friendlies or nations league games against other big nations and there'll be an, an element of competition about it which well let's let's all let's all go and listen just just remind everyone was it sound of football podcast yeah it's the sound of football it's about um about two or three weeks ago now and um and they there's a they went it was about half an hour but you know they they like a coefficient those boys um (laughs) (laughs) again i'll I'll find a link and put that in the in the show notes yes not until you finish listening to this from a practical point of view, though, that League of Nations thing is, I mean, we could also just spend a bit of time with it. That's, that's got bad implications for Finland because, because at the minute, we don't spend a lot of time playing at home. You know what I mean? We don't, and, and one of the reasons for that is that the Valley that doesn't make a, a lot of money when we, when we have home, home games, whether they're international friendlies. And this system is going to basically mean that we'll have to play, you know, we'll have to, instead of choosing to play Liechtenstein, we'll have to play Liechtenstein. And, and Moldova and Armenia and like a bunch of other clubs that have no particular draw. And it also kind of precludes places like Australia and Trinidad and Tobago and any of the African teams where you could actually gain the, the FIFA coefficient to try and get yourself up in the rankings. So there's a lot of, it looks good for UEFA and it's really good for the top teams because they get to keep playing each other. But it's not so good for Finland because we'll lose the, we'll lose potential revenue and we'll lose potential opponents that can actually teach us a thing or two about developing our game yeah okay yeah okay let's let's see how that all how that all pans out um i was going to have a little rant in my news but i think i'll save that for the end and we'll throw it open and perhaps perhaps make it a subject that we pick up on in future 
episodes. And I thought that maybe for my news, I'd just follow up on a couple of things that, ha- that we talked about in the last episode. Um, that being Swarman Cup and also the Under-19s Euro Championships, just to kind of bring a little bit more further news on those two things. So we were bemoaning the, uh, the format of the Swarman Cup um, in the last episode. And I just thought I'd, I'd go through the, the results of the semi-final, uh, which was uh, Honka 1, Asikor 1. And Asikor squeaked through 5-4 on penalties. And, and by all accounts, it was uh, not the best game. Um, and, and some people, some friends of mine, Jake and Paul, were moaning that Asikor seemed kind of scared to have a shot. Uh, which is why they uh, only scored one from from open play, um, and then it was Ilves nil, uh, Hoyiko one. So we're we're set up for a uh, Suomen Cup final, uh, Hoyiko versus Asiko okay. at in, yeah again, and this is in this is the finals being held in uh, Oma Aspe Stadion in Seinäjoki. So that will be nice. It might it means there might actually be a crowd at the final this time. <laughs> Um, but and and it, and uh, but uh, but let's have one more moan. Let's snipe once more. The semi-finals were played on the first of April. When's the final of the Swarman Cup? It's the end of September. Brilliant. So just five months. Six, six months here. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. Genius. Yeah. Great. Can't wait for that. The excitement will start building. I think you left. You left to wait. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to mention that I. The, uh, I was listening to the, the World Football phone-in on, on BBC and Tim Vickery out in Brazil was talking about the, the cup competition they have in Peru. And yes. this yeah. is a little bit out there. Did you hear it, Rich? Yeah, so did, in, yeah. in this, this cup competition is for all teams that are outside of the top two divisions in Peru. And it's a straight kind of knockout competition through to the final. And then you get to the, the two teams in the final Whatever division they're in, the winner gets put straight into the top division in the country. And the runner-up gets put straight into the second division of the country. Now, talk about giving, giving the competition a real meaning to make everybody really want to take part in it. Uh, and compare and contrast that to what we said last time about you know, the cup going to a league stage and, and a group stage and it's all played indoors and it all feels a bit like a practice. Um, I, I was quite interested with that. I thought it was worth sharing anyway. Yeah, because that, that layout's that, that the, the equivalent of the sort of Johnson's Pate or Checker Trade Trophy or whatever it is, where the, the mm. bottom teams. But then in Finland, it's, it's not far off the Regions Cup, which is, you know, that there is a, mm. the reward for that is an entrance into essentially a Cup Winners' Cup for equivalent tournaments. But I'm not, you know, it's, it's something that I'm surprised they don't do, you know, I know it's again the, the reasons why the number of entrants to the Swarman Cup is so down is because it's it's not worth it for the the smaller clubs and you know both financially and the infrastructure and everything. But if you said to okay all the teams in you know Coleman and Down or something like that, right, you can get a spot in the third tier just by winning this competition because the you know the the barriers to get in are, are quite small. You don't even winning your division isn't a guarantee of promotion. Um, but then, you know, then you're in the realms of, you know, you're, you're going to have clubs that play in the local park. Mm. Essentially, you're going to have, you know, these teams. And I, I went to an Atletico Malmi game a couple of years ago and it was played in the park and the drunks were sitting on the bench on the other side. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the season later, they could be hosting 
you know, say if they even went into Ukenen, they could be playing teams like Yarrow or TPS or mm. AC Oulu. And it'd be hilarious. Um, but, it, you know, unless the infrastructure is in place, it wouldn't be good. But it's certainly, like, you know, Vickery said, and I'd, I'd listen to him reading out a shopping list. It's it's that good. But um, he's, um, it would certainly be interesting. And I think the, the Regions Cup would be the, the most likely tournament for that. Yeah, and I, I know that the cut the, the sides in the in the regions cup. Like I, I interviewed a couple of the guys from uh, Apollo FC mm. here in Sanyoki a few years ago, and and there there's a few ex Asicor players in there, and a few good kind of amateur players in there, and they're doing it for fun, and they're doing it to raise some money for charity, and. They don't want to enter the Swarman Cup. They want to enter the Regions Cup because that's the right level for them. I just wanted to move on to the Under-19s Euro Championship, um, which, was, which is going to be held in Georgia in 2017. And we talked about the, the, the qualifying games for that final competition being held between uh, the 22nd and the 28th of March. So they've all taken place now. Finland were, were in there and played three games. Uh, unfortunately, they lost... 1-0 to Netherlands. They lost 4-1 to Greece with uh, Sergei Aramenko scoring a penalty in that game. And then in the final game, they beat Ukraine 2-1 with uh, two goals for Lassi Lappalainen from Hoyiko. So uh, the draw for the, uh, draw for the final stages will be taking place, I think, 13th of April. So just in, uh, in a few days' time from when we're recording this now. Um, but as we talked about this in a bit of detail last time, I thought we should uh, we should update. And uh, once the finals take place, I'll keep an eye on that and keep people updated how that's going as we move towards the uh, the competition being held in Sanyoki and Plaza in summer 2018. It's nice to see Sergey like advancing, and, and mm. he looks it looks like he's improving, which is which is good good for us. Yeah, and playing in playing in Basel can only can only help that. So let's let's move on. Let's talk about the recent Hukayat games. Yeah, woohoo! Was, <laughs> was, it, was it as good as that, Mark? I I must confess that I, for those that are interested, I've been moving house over the last couple of weeks and have been kind of preoccupied with organising stuff like that for that. And I didn't see very much of these games. So I, I saw the end of the Turkey game. I saw some very, very panicked <laughs> messages on our, on our WhatsApp group about what's, what's going on in the Turkey game. And it seemed like a nightmare first 15 minutes. Um, but also it seemed like it was a fairly, fairly sort of stable team. No, no major surprises in selection. So uh, Mark, what went wrong? And then maybe what went right? Well, this, I mean, I don't. It's it's a little bit like uh, I suppose it's a, it's a it's a little bit like same old story for 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 the whole field. I mean, there was a, a tons and tons and tons of positives from from the game. Um, a lot of players, a lot of players played pretty much what's going to be their best their best game for Finland in the last like three four years it was in was in their Turkey game. But we had after seven minutes, we had five minutes where we just a hundred percent switched off. And it's it's one of those ones where you think everybody defensively, everybody's relatively in the right place. They just they're just not looking at where the kind of where the danger is, and where the ball is. So so uh, they lined up like a four five four five one, 
pretty much. It was like a four four two, but but Damo kept dropping back. Bohem Palo basically didn't get a kick for the whole game. But in the middle of the pitch, they did press the ball quite a lot, and they gave Arda Turan and Selçuk Inan, who were the big like Turkish architects, the they're the guys who who pull the strings basically and find the passes. They managed to put those under under pretty good pressure. And in the first five minutes, we hadn't had a particularly good clear chance, but the movement was good, the energy was good. We had the ball. We hadn't really kind of like stood up to any tests, but it was looking all right. And then um, it was a nothing cross from from the left from the Turkish left hand side that sort of swerved through about three or four defenders. And um, the the Turkish number nine Tosun made quite a clever run. He sort of looped around from the front post to the back, in, snuck in between Moisander and Yeri Urunen, and then tapped in from what was all of about three or four yards. So you have that, and you're 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 looking at the replays and just sort of scratching your head and thinking, well, one of those guys needs to take responsibility for either the cross or the or the man or the or the the guy delivering it, because nobody really seemed to kind of close down and press in the defensive third, even though we, that's what we were doing higher up the pitch. And by the time you'd sort of digested that the the bad defending for the goal. Turkey had won a corner, knocked it into the near post, and again, Tosun rose up relatively unchallenged and nodded it into the far corner. And you think, what's what's going on? This is going to be a rout. This is going to be absolutely terrible. I mean, after after we conceded the second goal, Finland did, you know, uh, up the ante a little bit. They did they did work harder to get the ball back to to push to push their opponents. But by the same token, two 0 up. In Anatolia, the Turks just thought, "Right, this is us done. We'll we'll, uh, we'll take our foot off the gas a bit and see what see what Finland have got to try and hurt us with." And while we won the ball and fought back pretty hard, um, we we struggled time and time again to make any kind of real impact or have any kind of dangerous shots. So, in one from one sense, we played well. Uh, the system looked okay. Pressing was good. A lot of players were individually very good. Together, though, we still made some pretty poor mistakes defensively. And for the goals that we conceded, you're looking around at, like, I think Moisander in particular, as the the captain and the centre-back, to be a bit more in charge of the situation and a bit more helpful to, to, to his, his teammates because we weren't able to pick up any of the, any of the danger, any, any of the runs. And then on to the on to the Austria game. How how did things change for that? It, again, it seemed like the team was fairly stable. One or two, one or two changes. Most most notably, I guess a start for Mostag Yagubi, Mossa, mm. yeah. um, who's now back in Finland after a year wandering around. I don't know if you call it Eastern Europe or um, <laughs> former Soviet states. <laughs> yeah, former Soviet states. Um, and he's he's back at Hoi Kor and getting starts for the for the national team. Uh, goal for Frederick Jensen. That's always worth worth a shout out, I suppose. But um, how did that game pan out? It, it finished one 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 Austria one Finland one. Yeah, so so Mossa came on at the end of the Turkey game, and he was he he, he was really impressive in the Turkey game. He managed to take the game uh, for, like further forward into their half, and he rightfully got got a start against Austria. And I think he was one. Of, I think he was probably the best. It's difficult to tell because Freddie Jensen's goal was was a really good goal, well taken, um, and he he also played very well. He offered us something different. But I think Mosso was the 
kind of standout player from the two games because in the Austria game, he, he spent a lot of time sort of sitting around about the halfway line and picking out and pinging passes of 30 and 40 yards with a relatively high degree of accuracy. He also he also got they got stuck on set pieces or on corners, and uh, his delivery from corners was also pretty encouraging. Um, for for the Austria game overall, I mean, it was much it was much the same as as the Turkey game. We we played well, we pressed, uh, we attacked. Yeri Urunen uh, got put more like on the left wing, and Yanis Saksela on the right wing. So for the first time in a long time, we had width and pace in the final third and that really did make a difference we had you know six seven chances which i know sounds like the normal number of chances that any team will create in any given game but that's like a lot for for for, for, for finland in recent years so we did manage to move the ball well uh we managed to confuse and frustrate uh austria who had to change tactics at half time when we conceded again we did it to ourselves it was a it was a, a the corner kick and a cross into the box, and I think it was Jonas Toivio that went up for the that went up to try and clear against uh, Arnautovic, who's who is a beast of a player, um, and like he he had all the time in the world to let the ball drop, turn and smash it from a good, like inside the six yard box into the top corner, and you had like all I keep thinking with the, the types of goals that we concede is that we allow way too much time. And space on the ball inside our box. There was no, there was uh, again a crowd of a crowd of defenders in and around Arnautovic, any one of which could have tried to impede or, or tackle or or you know just disrupt his his uh, involvement in the, in the in the goal. But nobody really took took the uh, the onus to to take care of it. And Jonas Dovio hasn't played in five months because of the Norwegian off season. Uh, just got out muscled and was a little bit too slow to the goal, too slow to the ball. But like I said, going forward, we made we made chances, and Freddie Jensen, uh, his goal was a bit of a surprise because he just took, he carried the ball forward about 10, 20 yards, and then about twenty five yards from goal, just looked up and pinged it into the bottom corner. Sweet as you like, it was a it was a lovely, lovely finish and a good goal. And from then on, frustratingly, I think we had the. Um, we had Finland had the, the chance to take the game, but there was a sort of a, a strange, a strange mix of, of players. So there was like the young players like Mossa and like like Freddie Jensen and uh, running on the wing, uh, who who were kind of pushing forward and driving forward. But then you had players like like Per Bahetemai who had loads of chances and, and probably one of his worst games in a Finland shirt, who was just trying to keep a hold of the ball uh, and take the draw. In a way, it was it was a good game because because you know we've we've gone away from home and we've drawn, but I think there was still more more there for us to take. We we conceded because of again a, a poor defensive mistake, and um, we could have we created chance after chance after chance, and we could have we could have won. We just somehow didn't manage to find the final touch. I mean, Demo Pukki had had a was put in, I think, in the first five minutes. And then Berpa himself, he got in behind the defence two or three times and from close range could have finished and either dragged his shot to the corner flag or hit it straight at the keeper. So it was it's, it's, it's a sort of strange feeling. We're kind of back to being a football team again, even though we haven't got the results for it. We... Is that how it feels to you, Mark, after the, with the change of management at the start of the year? Mark Kanerva's team 
if you like, that it, that it is that, that something is changing for the better. Absolutely. I mean, the players. So the players actually believe like that they can do something. They believe that they they are the, the biggest problem under Backer was that we just weren't in the games at all. We weren't combative. We weren't participating. We we were there specifically to hold out for a clean sheet and try if God was willing to to allow us to nick a goal. And in this one, we actually with against both Turkey and against Austria, we went on the front foot and we started to cause cause the other team problems. You know, like Turkey started, uh, sorry, Austria started with, uh, I think it was a back three. And they had to, to half time, they had to change it up because we were just, we got in behind them, we got around them, we managed to play it through them quite a lot. And uh, they had to, they couldn't sort of sustain it. So, so yeah, you, you can definitely see the Canavas come in and we've, we've gone forward. I think if we can get somebody like Yole playing, Yolpo Hyampala playing regularly or, or scoring regularly. Or even if Freddie Jensen keeps keeps it up, then we should be in a place where we've got somebody who can just find the back of the net because that's the thing that was missing more than anything against Austria. Okay, Rich, did you see any of the games? Any any other comments or questions from that? Um, well, to be honest, I mean, I, I kind of watched most of both games, and um, you know, that was the the Turkey game in particular. There's just you know. Turkey caught them so quickly. Mm. You know, after the after the two goals, it was relatively even. Um, but again, you, you're giving teams a two goal head start. It's um, you know it's tricky. The the Austria game that like like Mark said, you know they they created several opportunities. Um, but the fact that you know, especially with with Eremenko missing, you've got a ch- chance really to someone and whether it's Yugubi Jensen, whoever. Um, into that position, sort of between the midfield and the forwards, to you know have a shot, because you know too often Finland's opportunities come from you know a through ball or it's it's a midfielder running from deep like Hetemai or something where you know immediately you're running into the box, you haven't got a lot of space, and, and inevitably the shot hits the keeper or goes wide. Um, but you know in Jensen's case, he was you know 20 meters out. And, and yeah, he had plenty of space and was able to turn. But you know, if you can shoot on target, you know, make the keeper work from twenty twenty five yards, you bring the opposition out, and and you're just adding something different. That you know, under Bakker, you know, when they you know they were lining up with seven defenders and and so on. But you know, sometimes you know, playing counter attack in football is all well and good, but you need to be able to to mix it up and and have a shot, bring the opposition out. And have that element of unpredictability because if you're constantly doing the same thing of, pl- you know, mm. playing a little bit, playing and waiting for that pass to come through, and either trying to walk the ball in or something, it is, it's very rarely going to work. You know, international defences are, you know, set up to not concede because you know the manager's only got so many days to work with the team. It's easier to organise a defence than work on anything clever up front. That mm. you might as well you know, test and do something unpredictable. And, you know, Yagubi's come in now and I know there was some talk a couple of years ago that he said he would consider playing for Afghanistan. You know, that's gone now. He's played a competitive game for Finland. That's gone. It's He can now concentrate on that. Um, you know, Jensen's come in. He's done well at 20 this year. Um, you know, he's, he's been scoring goals for them. And now, you know, say what we like about Eremenko he's not going to play for Finland for at least 18 months, if ever mm. again. Mm. That his position, I mean, bear in mind, he was one of the key players. That 
whole position now is is begging for someone to come in and take hold of it. And you know, when you've got players of that age, you know, twenty twenty one, you know, they could get in there for ten years if they do it properly and if they get that confidence to do it. Um, and you know, it was encouraging. I mean, you know, to come away from a team like Austria, you know, albeit friendly, but you've come away with a draw. You know, they've gone one nil down and they didn't, you know, look lost. They actually went at them. Um, mm. And and from a, a purely sort of numbers point of view, the fact that they got a draw meant that they stayed in the top hundred of the FIFA rankings and stayed above India, who um, <laughs> you know, in India who are on the charge. But um, I think they're level with Zambia at the moment. But um, you know, Suomi one hundred. It's a, a good way to celebrate the centenary of the country by staying in the top <laughs> hundred. But <laughs> just clinging on with fingernails. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it was it was encouraging. It was you know it was better and and you know you can only praise the the coaching staff and the management for at least changing the mentality mm. um you know you, you can only do so much with the players you've got in such a short period of time but if you send them out with a look it, we can do this rather than damage limitation from the start i mean turkey you know they got two goals uh, early on and, and and the game plan was ruined but you know after that they you know finland looked okay certainly a lot better than they did. Um, but, you know, you look, we're halfway through the group stage. It's the worst start to a qualifying campaign in 30 years. You know, it's, it is what it is. You know, all they need, they, they need to, to look at, at the five games that are left. And, you know, if, if we're talking about FIFA rankings or anything, but you're looking at playing decent opposition, um, some of which away from home, some, you know, still got um, Ukraine and, and Turkey at home to come, but, you know, they, they need to go into these games with the mindset that we need to do better. Um, and we need to, you know, we're not, we're not San Marino. You know, we don't need to set up and try and only concede five. We can, you know, we can be dangerous. And individually, those players are good. Mm. And they just need, a, they just need a little bit of, you know, the right motivation and, and finding that system or formation. I'm not really up on this stuff, but that can get the best out of them. And that, that's Kaneva's job. That 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 Ukraine game in the summer is 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 the first real sort of test because I think what you what I mean much to to, to support what Richard said, Mossa and and Fred, Frederick Janssen have come in and and they you can see straight away that they make an impact that they are capable of of trying to mix it up against proper opposition. When Ukraine come to Finland, they will they will just sit back and try and try and hold out for a, for a nil nil draw and frustrate us because they are not a good team. They are they're just absolutely not a good team. Um, so the question will be then for Kandarva, does he stick with the kind of players that he's been working with up until this point, like, or the, sorry, the players that have been doing the rounds in the national team basically for the last four or five years, and I'm thinking specifically of players like, and it's not a bad thing, but players like Zachary Matila who can sit and do a really good job defensively, but doesn't offer you that much really going forward. Or will you switch it up and maybe make that defensive sacrifice with somebody like Mossa or Freddy, who, who definitely can't defend to the same standard that Zachary Matila can? but can offer you so much more as you advance and go forward. So are we going to choose to proactively go and try and hurt Ukraine when it's a competitive game? And I think that's the... I, I hope I hope that Ganerva will, uh, will go for that. Well, there's nothing, nothing to lose now, is there? And why not, exactly. why not start play, play that attacking football against Liechtenstein mm. and go for it against Ukraine? What's, it doesn't matter anymore. There's no, qualifi- no, no qualifications to 
be gained. So may as well just, <laughs> is it always building for the next qualifying campaign? But, you know, no, no point in holding on for one all draws when, you're, when it's not going not gonna to benefit you in any, any particular way. So, I think you should um, be hands back as life coach. <laughs> well, yeah. I've just been, I've just, I've just been exposed to your frustration on the Finnish football show for the last thirteen yeah. episodes. I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm believing your hype. <laughs> um, okay, so we can look forward with bated breath to Liechtenstein uh, and then Ukraine, and that's in, at the beginning of June. Um, yeah. What about the exciting start to the Bakehouse Liga? Why don't I do some? Classified results. <laughs> James Alexander. So, far, so there's been six games so far. So this classified report won't won't go on too long. But it was uh, Hoyiko five, VPS nil, Asiko one, Lati one, Mariaham four, Hiko two. It's five. Ilve. Yeah, it was five. Ilve. One. Sorry, was it five? Yeah. Uh, okay, so my classifier report is, is ruined because <laughs> were they from the Bakers League website? Yeah, this morning, and yeah, I've just just gone and had a look and noticed that one of the results has changed. So, yeah. right, okay, I'll read it from there because it might be accurate now. <laughs> and it's difficult enough for us to look remotely professional at the best of times without them making it more difficult. Um, Sabotage. And I'm not edi- I'm not editing any of this out. Okay, so it's Mariaham five, Yiyiko two, Lati one, uh, Kemi nil, Ifki nil, and VPS one, Asiko three. So, a um, couple of things I I picked up from that was that that Yiyiko losing five two to Mariaham. So that that would that will teach them a lesson for going two 0 up after nine minutes. <laughs> Talk about make, get, getting the champions angry, and uh, and they got their backsides handed to them uh, for for daring to score a couple of goals early on. Um, and also, uh, just just a comment about um, Billy Irons at, at Asiko, who's started the season with three goals in two games, which is pretty good going. You know, some some concerns about Asiko's. Uh, strike force, perhaps a couple of shows back when, when it seemed that they were hemorrhaging players and where were the goals going to come from? He's, he's started the season pretty much as he, as he played most of last season. So long may, long may that continue. I think it's very, very early days to be taking any kind of, any kind of form uh, for the rest of the season. Although VPS got a couple of heavy, heavy defeats. I don't know, I don't know what's been going on. Up there, anything you guys want to, to say about what you've seen so far? Well, I'll start, you know, carrying on with VPS. You know, they've conceded eight goals already. They only conceded 27 the whole of last season. Um, I sort of watched most of the game on, on Wednesday the, where they lost 5-0. And, and Hoycorp, you know, we, we talked about it before and we talked about it on the, the predictions thing that, that we did. Uh, you know, they they didn't need to get out of second gear, really. They... um. They started on the front foot, you know, they've clearly got the, the superior forward line and, and everything, but they, the first half tore into them um, and VPS just seemed to be caught cold. Um, second half, they, yeah, they took their foot off the pedal, but, you know, they still racked up five. And, um, you know, and, and yesterday, obviously, Asikor went after them and, you know, Irons have started well, you know, obviously, 
you know the the issue from from Wednesday against Lati with the the debacle with the penalty that had to be retaken. Um, I mean that was some quality encroachment. You know, I, I did put a video on the on my Twitter. Um, did you? Because I, I was I was behind the goal and I didn't see it. Yeah, uh, it's. I, I mean, yeah, I, emotions from a missed penalty to getting it to retake it and then scoring a goal was yeah. Was good. I mean, the the, the Lati defender was basically next to the ball when Irons kicked <laughs> it. <laughs> um, I, I guess my my line of sight was following yeah. the ball past the post and bouncing yeah. off the end. And um and sort of luckily that you know the ref actually you know you don't see it very often um actually ordered the kick to be retaken and he scored it. Um, and you know, somebody, in, somebody next to me said that that Billy had balls of iron to be able to get up there and uh, and take the penalty again. So yeah, uh, and, and put and put it at the other side of the goal as well, well actually inside the post. Um, and then you had yesterday in the Ilves Lati game, um, Hendrik Helmker's back at Lati. He's been around Finnish clubs for a while. He's I think he was last in. He went off to Iran, I think from from Yarrow. And um, and he came back and he moved by Hilander in the first half. Hilander then got sent off for a very, I won't use the word I used in Twitter, it, to describe the excessive reaction of uh, the Lati player who they had to come in together with. And then Helmke himself got sent off in the second half. So, mm. you know, already we've had, you know, quite a bit of, quite a bit of interesting stuff going on. Um, Hilander got Gobelan Salami sent off in their cup game after a somewhat overreaction to a, a perfectly fair challenge. So, um, you know, he's um, he's chucking himself about a bit. Um, but yeah, so I mean, go, going back to the the stuff we mentioned at the start, you know, the, the whole schedule is a shambles. And I mean, it's a recurring theme, but, you know, like you touched on, some teams have already played twice. Three teams haven't played yet. Mm. Um, you've had Kemi's game yesterday at Hifke mm. moved almost, well, say about four days' notice, and was played in Rovaniemi because Kemi's pitch was frozen. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's the start of April. I mean, that's what you get for it's Lapland. I mean, you can't can't excuse it, but it's you know these things have to be considered. You know, why are they playing? I know they they asked to have their first game played away, but you know, you've got got to try and factor these things in. Um, it's yeah, yeah, it's not it's not hard. I mean, the thing is, it's it's, it's Kemi, so the, the pitch is frozen. Mm. But I mean, it's not like it hasn't been frozen for the last six months. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's not like we don't have weather forecasts, and it's not like like any like I I'm I, I'm I don't know if the, if the issue is communication or decision making or, or whatever, mm. but it everybody has known these things like the, what's going to happen and what like what what's going to be playable and what's not going to be playable for you know weeks. And it's it's just mm. I know it's I know it's difficult to kind of get yourself down the way, but four days is, is I mean it's it's just it's just really too late to take the decision. I mean yeah. by the time Inter start Interplay rops next on one Wednesday, yeah. by the time they play, Hoyiko will probably be nine points clear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like like yeah. it's you know what I mean? It's it, I don't know. It's I can understand it because it's it's the weather and predominantly it's the it's the pitch conditions, but. I, I, I just think that all the guys who know like about the grounds and the training and, and, and all of the facilities and stuff, they'll know way in and like far before the time it takes to make a decision. But, um, but no, I mean, you know, it's, it's nice that, you know, it's been, 
again, we we laugh, but you know, f- five months of a close season, pre-season, mm. it, it's nice that you know the football started and it has been, you know, it's been good fun. I mean, some of the teams, you know, have shown a bit of quality. We've had, you know, we all like a bit of controversy here and there. You know, nothing nothing nasty but you know it's good fun and, and even you know Maryham's comeback yesterday I mean you know the champions going 2-0 down to the promoted team mm. in 10 minutes you know and, and it was again it's the fact that they've come back was you know testament to that although they've had big changes as well and their, um, Brian Spann you know one of their players got a goal and three assists which virtually betters his entire tally for last season <laughs> uh, and he played nearly every game um, and you know uh, everything like that it's it's just nice the football started um, you know it's I mean we, we you know I'm, I'm awful for it you know taking a mick when when things are a little bit off you know not perfect and everything but um, you know it's, it's just it's good I'm glad <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to just say that two two years ago two seasons ago when Asigal won the won the championship before moving to the new stadium um, the scheduling was awful and so many home games were played at four o'clock on a Sunday and I remembered from the previous season that you know you played games at four o'clock on a Saturday and then everyone went out afterwards because it was Saturday night and you know in the middle of summer cycled down to the bar and it was nice and then I don't know, the, the, the winning the championship and then going out and celebrating on Sunday night wasn't quite the same thing. Um, last year was better, but I noticed this year that I think Ashley have got eight home games scheduled for 8pm on a Friday. Mm-hmm. And someone told me the idea was to, to make, give people time to travel in from you know, the surrounding, the surrounding area to get into the game. And I think Friday night football is going to be cracking. I hope so. Anyway, yeah. I, I, like the, I like the idea. And uh, many people now will stay at the ground after the game for a drink because there's, there's yeah. the, the, the facilities there. So um, I'm, I'm quite excited. Also, you know, the first game of the season was 7.30 on Wednesday and there were some kids there, but I, there were a lot of people that didn't go because it's a school night and, you know, bit late for the kids to be getting home 9 30 10 o'clock on a on a school night um but friday mm. great stuff doesn't matter stay up a bit later on a friday go and watch the game and um i i think that's a i think that's a, a good thing i think it's a good thing they have said that i think over the course of the year that um there's a lot more games being played on a saturday um i think last year in particular there was it was just all over the shop it was yeah you know, whenever they could fit them in. I know the police have said about the Stadion Derby, you know, they have to be played on, on a Monday or Tuesday, which is nice because I'm getting there on, on the Monday for the, the game in July. But um, it's um, it's one of those things that, you know, in, in trying to establish, you know, a culture of, you know, like we have in England of the Saturday 3pm kickoff. You know, yesterday, the four games kicking off at it's four o'clock local time. But, you know, that was... That was it. It was like four games, same time on a Saturday. And it's nice, you know, and, and I know they've got to cram in 33 games into what, five, six months, you know, and you are going to have midweek games. There's, there's no doubt about it. But um, it's it's getting in the right direction. And I think, you know, it's, it's difficult. You know, I, I know the the chaps from Vakas Liga are fairly sort of following, you know, the, obviously the people on Twitter and Facebook are, you know, the keyboard warriors, the, 
the people who like to to moan it, they do seem to take some of it on board um and i've Heaven forbid that some of those people get hold of a, a microphone and internet connection, Rich, and uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot out there for everyone to hear. Oh, exactly. But um, you know, they they are they they were aware. I think that last year there was a bit of a backlash at the amount of of midweek games and, and the fact that you know people were playing you know a lot of their games on say a Thursday and you know that you've still got issues about you know floodlights and and you know stuff like that and, and the fact that not all of the grounds you know maybe not on Vegas Liga but they're they're not owned by the clubs mm. you know they're municipal facilities that you've got to almost book in advance it's like booking a five side pitch um, and you know you need to get this sorted you need to get this stewarding and everything else but um, it's it's nice that you know they they've had that element of right we'll get as many Saturday games in as we can Um and I, I, I haven't looked closely enough into, you know, the away fan travel. But you know, even the fact that a couple of years ago when Maryham were in a cup final, they moved the kickoff time to work with the ferry times. Mm. So it enabled, you know, mm. the fact that Maryham won probably helped. But the fact that you know the game was in Valkyakoski and the kickoff was, I think, originally slated for four or five o'clock. And they moved, they brought it forward because well if Maraham are playing, mm. they're going to be landing at whatever time and they're going to need to head off. And at least it gave them that time afterwards to, to have a bit of a celebration. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm sorry, I haven't looked into things like, you know, do do these things get taken into consideration? But you know, you still got to bear in mind that there are some long away trips, and you know. A, there aren't many, you know, there isn't the away fan culture in some countries, but, you know, clubs still take away followings with them. Mm. Um, you know, people still travel from Helsinki to Rovaniemi to Kemi to Mariham, you know, long, long trips. And, you know, if you can minimise that, and hopefully some common sense has been done with, you know, the Friday eight o'clock kickoffs in Saniyoki, hopefully they've been, there's some common sense applied to that, that you're not expecting people then to travel back from Saniyoki to, you know, Corpia, for example, you know, on a, eleven o'clock on a Friday night when the game's finished. Um, well, when there are sucks. hotels here in Saniyoki, it's, it's relatively simple. Yeah. Here, you know? yeah, and and that's the thing <laughs> well, is, you know, I I stayed at the the hotel Cumulus and they had a very nice breakfast buffet and you know, <laughs> other, <laughs> but, other hotels, other hotel chains yeah. and attendants do do also exist. They they are available, and, but, and, um, and we will, and we will plug them for a very very low amount. Just even yeah, you, I, just one <laughs> breakfast buffet, and that's that's, that's all you get. I'm, I'm yet to book, I'm yet to book my hotels for this year's trip. So um, if anyone's listening, my integrity <laughs> is negotiable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other one other thing I was we I touched on just before, and and having seen. A couple of the the Asiqual games, uh, you know, Sormen Cup and uh, and in the Vakehouse Liga, um, they seem to have made some good signings that, to bolster that team that we were a bit worried worried about. You know, was was going to be falling apart, and just wanted to uh, flag up two or three people. Um, firstly, a, a couple of Spanish guys joined um, just in the last week or so, and one of those was Diego. Bardenka, um, who looks really solid. Um, he he played alongside Danny Hataka, um, and they looked really solid. And that and that was without Mark Vallis being in the team, who was um, my my player of the season last year, and he only played half a season. Um, 
Also, Bardanka is playing with this mask over the lower part of his face. He looks mm. a bit like Bane mm. from Batman. And um, <laughs> I took, a, I took a, a friend to the game, a Spanish guy, and he, they actually got talking afterwards. And Bardanka wears this because about a year ago, while he was playing for Alaves in Spain, he got an elbow in the face and just completely smashed up his have, mouth. Have, you seen, have you seen the photos? I have, and it's hideous. Oh, and I'm, I probably won't put the link in the, in the show notes because it's awful. We were looking at it the yeah. other day. Um, and apparently it's, it's fixed now. He doesn't have any pain, but it, it's kind of a psychological thing, a bit like yeah. to check with his, with his um, headwear, headgear. Um, but Badanka looks, looks good already at this level, as does um, um, Gishon, the, the guy from uh, Uruguay. Uh, he, like all good Uruguayans, he's got a funny little top knot of hair up here just to keep <laughs> his flowing locks out. Um, and he, he kind of falls over a bit, but he looks skillful. He does, does good things. And I think he's becoming a bit of a favourite with the crowd for, for some of the stuff that he's doing out there on the pitch. Um, and uh, he got a good round of applause when he left the, the field after, I don't know, 80 minutes, 70, 80 minutes on, on Wednesday. Um, and then up front, there's, uh, there's Totti, uh, Aris Totti in Bomber, who um, is young, is Finnish nationality, or Finnish national, and uh, he's, he's a real nuisance. He's a real handful, and I think it's good fun watching him play because he's strong and he, he's battling for the ball and it must be a real pain in the neck to play against so uh, I, I feel that we're in I feel that we're in good hands and I think things have, have started quite nicely for uh, Bostrom if you if you include also the uh, the, the cup games and the uh, and the league games and now Rich has been joined by his uh, by a mini me uh, the Ilves fan uh, I was going to say it's an Ilves dog yeah Lumi what shirt are you wearing today let, let me put her on Hi, Lumi. <laughs> no, she, she doesn't want to. She play. wants to grab the coffee machine. Um, can, <laughs> do you know why um, Hetemai has not been playing the first couple of games? Because he's not suspended. He was awesome in the Solomon Cup as well. Is, is there an injury? I'm not sure what that injury. It is. wasn't to do with his black um, eye and his wife beating him again. I, I, know, I, I genuinely don't know anything about that. Oh, um, um, they, the media opening day. Um, he turned up with a very fetching <clears throat> black eye looking like something out of the cure. And um, he said it was because he made a bad risotto and his wife punched him. Right. Okay. Um, which um, his brother then shared on Twitter and found it all very funny and saying about how... Oh, you know, black, black, eyes are, black eyes are trendy nowadays because Jamie Vardy had one playing for England. Yeah, and that's the thing, and it did look like he was wearing mascara and he was out of some sort of 80s new romantic band. But, um, but as I say, like, you know, Idem is my sort of player of the season in the preview thing because in the mm. Roman Cup, he virtually carried Asicorn, you know. Um, but he's, I mean, they're, they're doing okay without him, but he wasn't playing the first two games and it would be nice to to, to see him sort of step in and, and take take on that role. But, yeah. No, agree, and actually, that's that's something that's worth saying that there were a few significant players not in the Asuka team the other day. Um, so, yeah, you know, cautiously optimistic is about as excited as I'm prepared to get after after two <laughs> games. But um, well, they're, they're, I, they're, they're I, top of the table, in 
Yeah, exactly. After after two games where some teams have played none. So again, cautiously. <coughs> um, I don't know about you guys. I, I reckon that's maybe a good time to wrap it up with a little mm. bit of uh, a little bit of Vakersliga news there. Um, just wanted to remind everyone of our sites. So Mark's got FC Swami. Uh, regular reports from Hukayat players around the world. Uh, what's the most recent thing on there, Mark? Uh, the most recent thing is last weekend's roundup when we had hardly any players actually make it, make it onto the pitch. But this weekend's roundup will be up there later on tonight or, or tomorrow. And that will have um, Roperiski's first goal for Paderborn in it. Okay, good. And uh, Escape to Saw Me. Um, Rich, I guess your most recent article is the uh, predictions round. Yeah, obviously, um, some of us, you, I noticed you didn't get involved. Um, the um, <laughs> Mark, Henry, Keke and uh, you all got involved. Uh, we did our usual thing. The, the themes were very similar this year. Um, mm. So between us, I, I mean, last year I didn't get involved, but um, we generally were of the same opinion about that most of the season. I'm going to move on to me. Hang on. Um, the, <laughs> well, yeah, we, we were all of it. Doesn't, it doesn't bother, it doesn't bother <laughs> no. at all. I, um, hope that, I hope a picture of her comes up as the, uh, the, the yeah. thumbnail for this show. Yeah. But um, that, that was done. And obviously, so far this season anyway, we've, we've looked really clever and we know what we're talking about. Um, but um, I did promise a couple of people. After six games, well done, all of you. Yeah, so far. So far, Hoyuko will do well. That was yeah. about it. But, um, I think um, right. I will weekend, or maybe early start of next week. Some people have asked about a kit, some preview, which um, most people seem to like, and it'd just be the sort of sharing the profile pictures and stuff. But um, I'll get that up in the, the next couple of days. Um, remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Either search for my name, Mark Wiltshire, or search for Finnish Football Show. And we will do our very best to get the, uh, the podcast out in a few days' time. And before the theme music starts, I just want to say goodbye from me. Goodbye to you, Mark. Cheers. Thanks very much, Pope. And goodbye to Rich. See you later. They don't want to enter the Swarman Cup. They want to enter the Regions Cup because that's the right level for them. And if you then suggested that, hey, if you do... Has he gone? Yeah, I think so. That's one, one for the editing room. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Paolo Lito said no. Uh, under-19 Euro champion. Yes. Uh, you cut out there, Mark, for a little Yeah, bit. didn't it? <laughs> we lost you. Have we lost him again? Oh, God. That's what you get for living in Asicor Towers. They're not going to like this. Yeah. <laughs> lost 4-1 to Greece with a, a penalty scored by Sergei Eremenko. Uh, and then in the final game, they beat uh, Ukraine 2-1 with two goals for Lassi Lappalainen uh, from Hoyiko. Um, so I guess not, not, not a successful campaign, but... You know, we we the, the competition is held in Georgia, and the uh, the draw for the uh, for the the two groups that will take place in Georgia, um, the draw takes place uh, sometime this week. Yeah, in the next few days. Mark, I, I, I hate to interrupt you, but you cut out somewhere between Region Cup, and then you you clicked back in somewhere around Sergey Yeremenko scoring a penalty. Did I? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, I'll I'll re say. 
Oh, he's gone again. He's gone again. <laughs> oh, oh. Right, now you're in. Now, now you're in twice. Yeah, there's two of you. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Mark's in stereo. But yeah, I think so. From the, uh, we heard the bit about uh, talking to the guys in Apollo and the regional cup being their right level, um, and I think anything from there. Okay, all right. Well, then, then let's just go go on with. I just wanted to move on to the under 19s Euro Championship. Yep, yep, 